1: Coming to you from Michigan, USA, and listened to by people all over the planet. Get ready to be safe and sound with Sean Sparkman. Sparkman. Never take your eyes off your opponent, even when you bomb.
0: Welcome to the Safe and Sound Podcast. This is your host, Sean Sparkman. I'm really excited to be bringing you today a Detroiter by the name of Teresa Singleton. She is a Detroit firefighter and a small business owner, and she has a fabulous story, and I'm excited to get her out to you guys today. So, Teresa, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Sean. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Yes. I have been a Detroit firefighter for I'm going into my 24th year now. Uh, I'm stationed uh, not far from the Derpy Innovation Society Center where my small business, my boutique boutique is located in the Derpy neighborhood. I work right here in the inner city. I love firefighting. I've been, things are quite different now, I'd say, during the pandemic. You know, we've gotten a lot busier initially with uh, medical calls, and then to me, it seems like a string of automobile accidents (laughs) for whatever reason. And then you could tell it started trending towards a few more fires here in the neighborhood once more people were at home. So I also own some property at West Grand Boulevard across from the Motown Museum that I've been in the process of trying to develop to open another business since about 2015.
0: That's awesome. And you you said that there's a lot of accidents around nowadays. I find that interesting. I wonder if it's because people have been at home so long this year that they forgot how to drive once they start driving again. (laughs)
1: We found that to be very interesting as well because it was certainly a trend. I want to say early on in March when the pandemic was kind of first announced, it it, it seemed like it was primarily medical costs. We were responding to a lot of sick people like for a good, you know, six weeks or so. And then as the executive orders were issued, the stay-at-home orders, and the streets did get kind of quiet and out and I, I'm sure you probably noticed yourself if you had to run out and do any errands there were there weren't that much traffic on the street so it's at at that time is when the it started trending for the increase in accidents I think because I know here in Detroit Chief Craig had announced that they were not going to be stopping for minor violations during that time you know that it would have to be really major crime for them to be responding to. So it appeared that I think people were just taking advantage because the streets were empty, the street racing and just blowing stop signs and that kind of thing, just because the street was empty. But it doesn't seem to have slowed down any, if you ask me.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, it's very interesting that you, you chose to be a firefighter. So what led you to deciding, you know, 24 years ago that as a woman, you wanted to become a firefighter?
1: And isn't that something? I didn't grow up wanting to be a, a Detroit firefighter. I actually I uh, was in Wayne State. I was in college. I was looking for a part-time job. And a very good friend of mine had been a firefighter for a few years. And he said, you know, they're hiring. And I thought, well, I don't want to do that. But I was a single parent with two children. And I found myself down in that line getting the application uh, the, the very next day. So I kind of blew through, I was, I was in pretty, he said, you're in very good shape physically. You know, you're not thin-skinned, so, you know, I don't think you would be intimidated by all the men in the firehouse or what have you. And I just I just walked into it. I aced out the uh, rhythmic exam, did very well on the physical agility test, and the next thing you know, here I am 24 years later, and I've uh, and I love it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. My <laughs> that's,
0: that's really cool. So what is one of your favorite stories from your 24 years of firefighting? Well, we don't get many calls for
1: cats in the trees. So
0: <laughs> rarely, rarely are there
1: many funny stories, to be honest with you. We, we do have a joke with police that we say when they call for fire, when we go, we have to do work. By the time the police, someone's calling the police, usually what is being reported has already occurred. You know what I mean? Somebody somebody has already already been, you know, robbed or, or whatever. Somebody has – it has already happened, and usually they're doing reports. And that's not to minimize them, but, but certainly if they call and say that my house is on fire, my car is on fire, I'm trapped in an elevator – you know, now we, we are doing medical runs. We don't transport on engines, but we are responding. Someone's ill. When we go, there's never been a time that we didn't go and didn't don't have to work, you know. So that's kind of the difference between police and fire. There probably are more sad stories than there are funny ones. So gotcha. you know, we have a lot of funny times inside the house amongst ourselves, and maybe that's just a way to, you know, try to get through the chaos. I don't have many funny stories at all. And that's interesting, that question, you know, because no, uh, I was
0: actually looking for your, your favorite story, your favorite story of whatever may have happened, you know, good, bad or heartwarming. You know, you, you're in a okay. job, where you're serving, you're serving people. And that's, you know, what yeah. life's all about. So I, I absolutely love that you're doing it. But it's just maybe you have a story that could impact somebody's life
1: probably one of my favorite things. Every year, usually the end of August, and we weren't able to move through with it this year because of the pandemic, but we always do a back-to-school backpack giveaway for the kids in the neighborhood. And this has been going on for um, over 20 years now. Every generation or every year, the new recruits will pick it up, and carry it on. And it happens out of my fire station at Dexter and Ewald Circle. Last year, we gave out well over 5,000 backpacks, and we get the traveling zoo to come by, the exotic zoo. So kids have the opportunity to to play with exotic animals uh, during this day of fun. We also have a dentist on site doing dental work and have someone there giving free shots to the children before back to school, and we donate a car to a a family who's been burnt out by fatalities, and then we all put together money and uh, buy furniture, even if it's secondhand, to help furnish their new house. So that's probably one of my favorite things that we do uh, together as a group there. Yeah, so,
0: just yeah. switch gears a little bit. Uh, you know, as, as a firefighter, one day you made a decision that you also wanted to be a small business owner. What led you down that pathway? I did. I started going down
1: that road in 2013, around the time that the city of Detroit was entering into bankruptcy. There were all the fears about our pensions being gutted and you know, things just being dramatically different than what went, you know, at our time of retirement as opposed to what we were promised when you joined. So I decided that I was going to just strike out and be an entrepreneur and, you know, work for myself. I've always wanted to own a resale shop for women's apparel, kind of, I've always said higher end, but at reasonable prices. So I participated in a little business writing class right in the neighborhood on Oakman at Focus Hope. And I wrote this business plan and pitched it to that organization, and I I was in the second cohort, and they said I was the first one that made it through the class, got through it the first time through, and by the time it was over, had this complete 30-some page business plan, and it was to open up a resale shop called Tiki's Treasures. So that's when I started looking for a place to rent um, where I wanted to house this and ran across the building that I currently own on West Grand Boulevard, directly across the street from the Motown Museum. So my desire was that this whole house, everything would be for sale throughout this whole house, but uh, every room would be dressed for what it was. So in the bathroom, it would be bathroom things for sale. And in the kitchen, kitchen small kitchen appliances and dishes and sorts. And then all the bedrooms, one would be for women, one would be for men, and one would be for kids. So I pitched it and I landed $15,000 to launch my business. And then uh, I was looking for this place, right, and I ended up buying this building instead of renting somewhere. And I thought that it was just prepared, just let me go get the license, paint the walls, and I'm going into business, right? And then uh, <laughs> my friends came by and looked. They said, are you crazy, girl? All the radiators were stolen <laughs> out of the building, the uh <laughs> It needed a whole lot of work, you know, that I guess I should have took somebody with me, right, before I bought this place. So, so that, of course, started another, you know, trying to get the funding to rehabilitate the property in order to open up this business. And just at that time, the Motor City Match Program was launched here in the city of Detroit, for which I applied for, and uh, I was a three-time winner. I run a design round, which was the architectural rendering, and then I run, went, ran a, uh, another round, and ultimately leading to the cash award of $75,000 to go towards the rehabilitation for the business, for the building. So that was supposed to be Tiki's Treasures, a resale and consignment boutique where we would offer gently used uh, quality apparel for extremely reasonable prices. And to date, that's been my failure because I have yet to secure all of the funding necessary to finish the building. I did apply with Invest Detroit in in, uh, Detroit and get a commitment of $500,000. And then another commitment of a hundred thousand dollars, so at the time that was like six hundred and seventy five thousand, and I was short about uh about about thirty something grand and I started fundraising, but then I got hurt in the firehouse. I got hurt at work and kind oh, of fell wow. through, yeah, in a fire and ended up having to have back surgery. so my whole project came to a complete halt for about nine months through my back surgery, and, you know, then the rehabilitation. So I ended up just getting back to work this past March, March 1st. I walked right into the corona and jumped back on that project. But in the interim, I had become aware that the Durfee Middle School was no longer a school, that Life Remodeled had rented the building, and it was being converted into this, Innovation Center to help support the community as well as the youth and job training and entrepreneurship. So I I went. Yeah, it's a really cool
0: building, Uh, and it's cool that you were able to get a spot in
1: there, right? It is awesome. It's an awesome building, and I really love what the organization stands for. So and so. When that came to fruition, I decided that I would rent space there and open up Boutique on a smaller scale or somewhat of a satellite location to the larger project that I'm working on on West Grand Boulevard.
0: Well, I'm sorry to hear about your back, but that's a you know, tough setback to go through for anybody. But it's mm. cool that you're, you're recovered and you, you actually went back to work during one of the hardest times in our nation's history. So I commend you for that. That's awesome. Can you believe that? Who would have thought it, you know? (laughs) uh,
1: The doctors, they actually wanted me to stay off a complete year, which would have been June of this year. But I was begging. I was in physical therapy like five hours a day, five days a week from September, starting in September. And so by the end of February, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is like a real job here. (laughs) I feel great, you know. So uh, uh, I asked, could I be put back on duty? And after, they took me through a lot of different some pretty tough physical evolutions, and they agreed. And, and so they couldn't believe it, how good I was doing. So they put me back on duty March 1st, and, you know, very next week they are announcing. The coronavirus. It's
0: amazing how things happen, but you know I I do believe everything happens for a reason. And I was really glad that you brought up the the subject of failure and that you had already kind of addressed what you consider one of your failures to be. Because I always talk on every episode of the show about failure because it's very important to me, and I think it's important for people to learn how to move through failure, how to use it, even though it's tough and you have the setbacks like your back and the funding that you were trying to get, but you're able to move through it and you learn from those setbacks and you learn, you know, who you are as a person and you grow. Because if you don't have any adversity, I was talking with somebody about this the other day, if there's no adversity in your life, how are you supposed to grow? If everything's just always content, there's no catalyst to push you to get beyond who you are and to serve more people and get out there more. So, uh, you know, that's awesome. I agree. That was, I, I, I was,
1: Pretty excited about the path that I was on. And it wasn't just the injury, you know, that caused the failure, but the inability to, to get the rest of the funding. It was very, it's been very frustrating to say the least. It's like everyone loves this plan. It's a great location. The neighborhood is really up and coming, but it's kind of, I didn't realize that I was a developer per se. I thought I was just rehabilitating an old building, but I kind of fall into this world of a developer. But when you're a new developer, just like a lot of new businesses that find it difficult to get funding to start businesses because they knew and they don't have any any history or anything to show prior to somebody lending them money to start a business, that those were the same things that I faced early on. So it was it was it was pretty challenging um to say the least it was frustrating, but I think my grandma always said it's not what you go through, but it's who you are when you come out on the other end so and it just kind of made I love me that old continue. wisdom it was you know it just kind of continued to make made me continue to just study more, you know just just keep trying to perfect myself or maybe doing something on a smaller scale like the Derby Innovation Society for two or three years where I can establish some records of sales and in- income um, would help, you know?
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting is I was listening to a book earlier today when I was walking the dog this morning, and the, the book is called The Carpenter. And in that book, there's a section of it where the the guy in the story is going through a really hard time and, you know, he's got like a mentor that's talking to him and what what he tells the, you know, the guy that's going through the hard time, he says, you know, sometimes we're given these things that happen to us on purpose because it's a time for us to recharge, reset, rebuild and learn and grow. And sometimes we need to be forced (laughs) into a, a time like that in our lives so that when, the bigger tack, you know, issues come along or the bigger adversity comes along, we're ready to handle it.
1: That sounds like another one of my favorite sayings, Sean. I always say, I never pray for money. I always pray for wisdom <laughs> so that when I get money, I'll know what to
0: do with it. That's a really good one. I, I really like yeah. that. I've never heard that one before. You mentioned something else. You mentioned uh, about an up-and-coming neighborhood in Detroit which of course Detroit is a you know been around a very very long time so it's kind of a funny thing to say because if you're a listener right now and you're listening to the show that you're not from the city of Detroit or the surrounding area you don't really know what's going on in the city and you know I like I tell people all the time Teresa Detroit is coming back and it's coming back in a big way and it's really cool to see because it's been in such a you know rough state for so long you know with the 2013 bankruptcy et cetera. So it's a really cool thing.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. It, it's been amazing over the last couple of years just to watch the transformations here in the city. Certainly, the pandemic has, you know, brought lots of things to a halt. And, and I'm just praying that, you know, that momentum comes back and that it, it picks back up and, and we continue on, you know. Uh, yeah, and I think it will. Can...
0: That's, that's, I really think <laughs> it will. Well, Teresa, we've talked a little bit about failure. Can you tell everybody what you would consider to be one of your great successes in life?
1: Certainly, being a Detroit firefighter for uh, 24 years now, and I'm 56 years old, and I'm I'm still doing well uh, in spite of the back surgery. um, Probably also first would be my two children, who I'm very proud of. I have a daughter and a son who are both very respectful, self-sufficient young people out here and uh, you know I think they're they're just a representation of me. Also on the fire department I was a union official for 14 years making it to the rank of vice president uh, for the Detroit Firefighters Association uh, and I was the vice president during bankruptcy. So I was negotiating across the table with Jones Day and and all the likes, uh, city officials and so forth. So I did that for, uh, for, for 14 years, and I came down after bankruptcy because that was just a very stressful time. And my daughter... I can imagine. Uh, yeah, my daughter is an organizer as well, and I never saw that coming. But for the last four years, She's a city coordinator for the city of Detroit for an organization that's been working really hard to to try to help get minimum wage raised. So I'm pretty proud of her. Everybody says she got it for me.
0: Well, I, I do want to wrap things up a little bit, but I have a couple more questions to ask you. There's one question that I ask everybody that comes on the show, and is what are you curious about?
1: Always, of course, what the future holds for me or what... You know, what next steps? I'm always curious about my next direction. (laughs) My guys at work said, uh, Teresa, you know, you don't always have to have a project. You know, they think I, I always have a project. But I'm really curious to see see how the city of Detroit will pick itself back up following the pandemic. Life Remodeled uh, at the Durfee Innovation Society, we're moving right along with all the renovations to the facility, the beautification that they do for the, the, all the square mileage uh, surrounding the facility. They just got done with their six-day project. I'm really curious to, you know, get past to see what our future holds for us post pandemic
0: yeah I, I think that's what's on everybody's mind right now <laughs> is what is yeah. uh, the future going to look like once the the pandemic really is you know actually over and we can kind of return to normal and i think it's going to be a slow process but also at the same time i think people are just itching to get back to you know connecting with people instead of the yeah. the social distancing and we can't touch each other and all that i think people are itching to have that you know connection again. Yeah
1: find some normalcy, right?
0: Right. And for for those that are listening uh, that don't know what Life Remodeled is, I did a, a previous episode with the with the uh, CEO and the founder, Chris Lambert. And you, if you want to listen to that past episode, it's a great organization. And like you just mentioned, Teresa, the, the six-day project, they do this every year. And it's something that I love to participate in as well, where they beautify the city of Detroit in some of the areas that it's needed as well as, you know, the building like Durfee Innovation Society. So a pretty cool organization. You should check it out. Teresa, uh, last question for you. Is there any questions that I should have asked you that I didn't?
1: Not that I can think of, son. No. <laughs> okay, cool. No, well not that I could think of.
0: Awesome. Well, everybody that's listening, if you want to learn more about Teresa, you can check her out at Boutique and they can just search that online. Boutique in Detroit. Right, Teresa? Yes. Okay. And also, if you are in the Detroit metro area, you can always stop by the Durfee Innovation Society. Obviously, with COVID, uh, I don't know what the rules are there. Teresa, can you tell people a little bit? They are. You have to wear a mask, of course. To
1: enter the building, they are taking temperatures at the front desk. You'll sign in for whatever guests you're going to visit, and then you can move throughout the facility then.
0: Yeah, and it's an absolutely beautiful building. So if you are in the Metro Detroit area, uh, obviously Boutique is there and then Life Remodels there. And there's a bunch of other entrepreneurs and small businesses and people that are just there to impact and support the local Detroit community. So if you're down that way, stop in, check it out, because it really is a great place. Well, Teresa, you know, this has been a wonderful conversation. Uh, I'm absolutely excited to get this out to the public because I think people need to hear stories from people like you. So thank you very much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And thank you. This is another episode of the Safe and Sound podcast. Thank you for listening. Obviously, check out some of the past episodes. As always, we're trying to help people build a safe and sound lifestyle, which means that you can be safe and sound at home and with your finances and your fitness and whatever aspect of your life. And that's why I interview people like Teresa and people from all over the country that can help make an impact because it's all about serving others. So thank you and we'll catch you next time.
1: Thanks for listening to Safe and Sound Radio with Sean Sparkman. Sean Sparkman. If you have questions or would like to suggest a topic for future shows, contact Sean at 313-246-9278 or visit the website at www.safeandsoundretirement.net. That's www.safeandsoundretirement.net. I must leave.